And what I've chosen to do for our opening verses is just to take some key verses that I think will illustrate. We're going to go through all of Colossians 4, but these verses, I think, will illustrate. Um, they, they really highlight the points that I'll be giving you guys today. And so starting from Colossians 4, I want us to continue reading our Bible together. I like when we do this, so let's try to do it on the count of three online. Read it with me. Don't type it in the comments. That's too much. But say it at home. One, two, three. Never stop praying. Be ready for anything. Being thankful. All pray for us. Pray that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. I am in prison for doing this. But pray that we can continue to tell people the secret truth. Oh, oh, I caught you guys. You guys were listening. The secret truth that God has made known about Christ. Pray that I will say what is necessary to make this truth clear to everyone. All right, we got two more sections. So I'm going to be breaking that down. Next section. One, two, three. Be wise in the way you act with those who are not believers. Use your time in the best way you can. When you talk, you should always be kind and wise. Then you will be able to answer everyone in the way you should. Give yourselves, take a, take a quick second, give yourselves a pat on the back. You're doing great. Last verse um, before we get into our message. All right, I'm going to say one, two, three. You guys start it. One, two, three. Uh, that wasn't even, I just knew I was going to get you guys. Tick a kiss. Tick a kiss is my dear brother in Christ. He is a faithful helper. Mm. He will tell you everything that is happening with me. That is why I'm sending him. I want you to know how we are, and I am sending him to encourage you. Woo, give you guys, give yourselves a round of applause. We're going to pray really quickly. Lord, as you guys bow your heads, as you got, close your eyes, Lord, I thank you for just what you're doing. And I just ask in this moment that you move that whatever you've given me to say um, will be truly deposited and will shift the course of who we are as your followers, as your beloved. Um, and that it may really, really be something that we take hold of. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. That was so fun to do. I really believe there's something so powerful in, I don't know, just us reading this together. It's been so good. You guys feel it too when you, when you were doing it communally? Just a couple people? Okay. So, <laughs> no, we're, we're an honest church. Okay, I like it. <laughs> um, Speaking of being wrong, have you guys, anyone, I know, I feel like this church, I'm going to get, I'm not going to get any hands up for this, but hands up, online say, yes, that's me. Have you ever been wrong? Wow, yeah, oh, yes, oh, wow, wow, kudos to Kelby saying, nope, never, I'm never, never wrong. Hands up, I need to see hands. If you have ever just been wrong about something. Hands up. We got a lot of right people. They're like, yeah, I'm still waiting for them to realize I was right the whole time. Hey, keep your hands up. Hands up if you've been wrong. Okay. Have you ever realized that you were wrong in the middle of the argument? Yes. Okay. You guys can put your hand down, hands down. Thank you for being so honest. Yeah, what's cool about being wrong, is, especially in the moment, is something about pride, man. That pride is, this isn't even my message, but pride is powerful, right? You, I've been there. You're mid-wrong. I'm married a year now, so I have a lot of experience. Um, yeah, some of you guys have been married longer. So you're mid, you are mid, and this is the thing, this is the thing. You've given 20 minutes into this thing. You've, you have been impassioned. You've pulled out your calendar and said, no, on this day, I remember you said, and as you're saying that, your mind's like, nope, that wasn't them. Nope, it wasn't at ShopRite. Nope. 
Abraham Lincoln isn't the 14th president. <laughs> it could be the littlest, silliest, dumbest thing, but you know what it is? You've invested so much time into this moment. All the married people are like with me right now. I've never had such like, yes, marriage therapy right now. We'll do it. I got two weeks in. I could, I'm an expert. Um, you have just invested so much time. You have camped out on your point. If you back down now, what precedent are you setting for future arguments? Am I right? You can't just, hey, I know we've been arguing about this for an hour, two weeks, three months, um, but I realized you're right. You can't just do, you can't just give it up. You can't just tap out. You gotta, you know, so what I find so interesting about being wrong is we as a species, I would love to study this on a global anthropological level, have found ways to be wrong without admitting that we're wrong. <laughs> you know, the, 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 on the good side, like the healthy sides of you guys, um, you know what, babe? Why are we fighting? Why, why, you know, why are we fighting about, come on, let's just, I love you, you look so cute. Or, uh, oh, so you're not going to admit that you were wrong about what you were fighting about, but you could admit like, oh, you know, I think I've, I was misunderstanding what you were saying. I thought, I, you know, we just, this is just, this was just a miscommunication. We misunderstood each other. You know, that's the healthy side. On the, on the unhealthy side, you just, why are you like this? You got to abandon ship. You got to come straight for them as a per. Why do you, you know, you always do, you always, you always do this. And I just, you always do this. Or um, I just knew you were going to get like that. <laughs> uh, another one I think that is really, really, really tactful and just, I just downright think is evil genius is you realize you are wrong about the subject matter. So you choose something else that you know that you're right about to fight about. And you got to like do this like verbal gymnastics um, to go from like we're arguing about doing the dishes or, or maybe you're debating a friend about some, some silly thing. And you're like, yeah, you know, dishes and speaking of dishes dawn and it just dawned on me that on October 2nd, you forgot what I needed. I said, I need you to go to the store and pick up Twizzlers. And why is it that you can never remember when I need Twizzlers? It's like, we just, I love how real you guys are. You guys are, yeah. There's a certain gender that's really responding to this more than another gender. I know, man, I'm with you guys. I'm calling it out. Uh, I asked my wife for permission to share a story. And she said, you know, I can overshare sometimes. And so she just looked at the story. She said, okay, I'm going to censor something. So I'm just going to tell you a real life example of what I was allowed to say. <laughs> so this one time, my wife... And she's so beautiful, guys. She is amazing. I have the best wife ever. Give it up for Amanda. I love her. Uh, but I bring up the topic of being wrong because I'm not going to do any of those tactics here. I am, I think as I was coming up here, I was like, I think I'm going to be probably one of the first preachers. There's a few preachers who have done this before something gets leaked online. I'm going to admit that I got it wrong. You guys are, there's people ready, like, what, what? Because you guys are, yeah, guys, nothing about anything I've ever interacted with you about, all right? Don't come for me. <laughs> um, you know, as I was going through Colossians 4, it really began to speak to me. And I at first saw these, what I would have called at this time, essential habits. Essential habits in Colossians 4. You see prayer come up. You see evangelism come up. Um, in the last verse that we read, you see him sending someone all the way to this city of Colossae to encourage them. And so you see community come up and you see these elements. And at this time, I would have said, 
These are habits. And I just think in preparation of this, for this message, uh, the Lord has convicted me and shown me that as you look at this text, um, because of the way these themes ar- arise, it becomes so evident that these are meant to be more than just habits. Um, you can see that these three things that arise, prayer, evangelism, and community for Paul and the early church were a way of life. They weren't habits, they were essentials. And I, as I read, I just, man, I just found myself saying like, Lord, I've, I've gotten it wrong. Like, I thought prayer was something I do. Like it's a habit, I got my prayer routine, and I, it's like, no, Paul says never stop praying. Other translations say devote yourself to prayer. And it just becomes so clear that for Paul it was more, it was just more. And I feel like I've gotten it wrong. But because of this, I, I have felt that the Lord has convicted me and showed me um, that these are meant to be essentials in our lives. And my heart for today is that we will come away with the same revelation and the same understanding um, that these are not just behaviors and Christian things that we do, but these are three essential elements to the way of life for a believer. And how I've titled it is that we would be settled on this. My my title is Settled on the Essentials. Settled on the Essentials. That from today on, we are at the beginning of September, so we have a nice clean start for September, the first Sunday of September on, that if we hadn't already understood this, that moving forward, we will be settled that these are essentials to our faith. Amen? And so I'm going to do a little bit of a mix of teaching. Just give me a second while I open this. I was trying to be subtle. I'm not going to front, you know. I'm going to just. Um, we, we have to start at the top. So if we can turn back to Colossians 4, verses 2. It says, never stop praying. Be ready for anything by praying and being thankful. Also pray for us. Pray that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. I'm, I'm actually going to start over. I want you guys to try to count in your heads or even out loud if it helps. As I read, the amount of times I say pray or praying or prayer, never stop praying. Be ready for anything by praying and being thankful. Also pray for us. Pray that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. I am in prison for doing this, but pray that God, that we can continue to tell people the secret truth that God has made known about Christ. Pray that I will say what is necessary to make this truth clear to everyone. And jumping down later into the chapter, in verse 12, it says, Epaphras, another servant of Jesus Christ from your group sends his greetings. He constantly struggles for you in prayer. He prays that you will grow to be spiritually mature and have everything that God wants for you. Um, what, what's, what number did you get? I got eight. Eight? Eight times in the conclusion of the letter to the Colossians. This is a four chapter letter. In the conclusion, eight times this comes up. Why this matters is this is not why Paul is writing. Paul was writing to address some false teachings in the church. Uh, Paul was writing to build up and, and give them some advice and really talk to them about Jesus. And in his concluding words, 
He just literally, last thing he's talking about is how the whole household should conduct themselves. At this time, there were slaves, and he's like, hey, slaves, subject yourselves to masters. Your masters, treat your slaves well because there's only one true master, Jesus. And then just devote yourselves to prayer. And multiple times, prayer is coming up. He's saying, hey, devote yourselves to prayer. Be ready for anything by praying. And by the way, pray for me. Pray that I'll have the right words. Pray that I'll have these opportunities. And then he talks about this guy, Epaphras, later on. Um, and what's cool about this, it's this like list of people that are, he's like, oh, these people send their greetings. Epaphras is one of them. And this guy, Epaphras, is struggling for them in prayer. Like he's like struggling for them in prayer. And he's praying for these things. And it just becomes clear to me, and as you reflect on like all of Paul's letters, prayer always creeps up. I'm praying for you. Paul greets people by saying, hey, I've been praying for you. It just becomes clear that prayer was essential to Paul's life. Prayer was second nature to Paul and the early church's life. Epaphras found it necessary to struggle for this community miles away from him. And before I give you what the lesson I feel learned here is, I have bad reflexes. Anybody got good reflexes? I know Tom does. Tom, you guys think he's just a really good bass player, but apparently he's like a fire twirler. He could like, uh, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it to you. I just know that fire is like spinning, or he's like a Pokemon, he's like, follow him on Instagram he's got really good reflexes anybody got good reflexes okay who got bad reflexes (laughs) I'm not alone that's good um I I think that we all have reflexes though you do the test on the knee um my mother has a Spanish reflex because Spanish is her first language I just invented that yeah um so what's cool about my mom is if she's talking to someone in Spanish for a really, really, really long time, she will just get stuck and then start talking to me. And she'll be like, mira, mijo, yo no quiero... Numa, I need you to translate for me. You ready? <laughs> um, look, and I'm just like, whoa, 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 ma, we, you stopped doing this when I was five, so um, I don't know what's happening here. Just something about the way reflexes get into her, our mind. I've lived in the same house since I'm a child. There's a cute little example. We used to keep the silverware here. Uh, years, like I want to say seven, eight years ago, we moved the silverware here, right? Follow me. I know that the silverware is here, but it was so ingrained in me that the silverware was here that at 29 years old, when, when this was a thing that was trained when I was a child, Sometimes, every now and then, every, every now and then I go. <laughs> right? Who still knows, like, their, their childhood phone number? Right? Say it. So this, this is all have a cacophony of phone numbers coming out. It's not your number anymore. 273-07-718-273-0706. Who remembers what they wore last Tuesday? <laughs> There, are some, there is something about reflexes that when it is second nature to you, you don't have to think about it. It is the first thing that you turn to. It's just, it's just what you do. Amanda's going to make fun of me because she says, I always find a way to talk about how I got LASIK. But when I got LASIK, I wore glasses my whole life for months. I would do this. My, where my glasses wears. With no glasses, I would do this. It's a reflex. I share this because when something is so second nature to you, you don't have to think about it. And it's clear that for Paul, prayer was a reflex. That for Paul, it was just the thing that flowed out of him. Uh, the, The first takeaway is this, that we need to train prayer to be your reflex. Train prayer to be your reflex. That when 
calamity comes, it's just what you know. But, but before calamity even comes, when you wake up, you find yourselves. You know how you, because come on, I got overthinkers in the building. You know how you wake up and you're already overthinking about what you got to do and all the things. What would it be like if our reflex was to wake up into prayer? That it's so natural. I, I remember Lucas telling me he had not an awkward moment, but an, a new moment with my brother Rodolfo because my brother was complaining about his knee hurting. And just casually in conversation, he's like, oh, yeah, my knee hurts. And Lucas goes, oh, man, let's pray for that. And my brother, who's a believer, was just kind of thrown off for a second. And it was just like, oh, oh yeah, I guess, I guess we could do that. Because for Lucas, prayer was a reflex. I've had awkward moments for myself. One time, Pastor John Saldana of New Hope Church, I'm just like, oh, yeah, my wrist hurts. And he goes, oh, brother, let's pray for that. And just convicted me in that moment like, yeah, why didn't I think to do that? Because I haven't trained it to be a reflex. To just be the thing that I go to. See, I believe that prayer was never meant to be a habit for ourselves. I don't believe that prayer was ever meant to be a task and a Christian um, culture. This is what you do if you are a believer. Make sure you spend time. And I'm not knocking like the devote time and I believe in those things and setting. I believe that it wasn't meant to be something that we just cross off, something that is part of what we do in our day. I feel like I'm realizing through this that prayer was meant to be instinctual. That prayer is meant to be in the way that you gasp for air because you, your body knows it needs oxygen, that your spirit will just be trained to gasp and cry out for your Abba Father. That in the way that you just, <laughs> if you try to, I'm thinking of other stories, but we don't got time. Um, if you try to, I've tried, okay, I'm just going to tell you one. Sometimes I'd be trying to train myself to walk around the house without my eyes. That's just me. Okay, I can't do it because I force my eyes to open. Next time you sneeze, try to keep your eyes open. It's not possible. It's the hardest thing to do in the world. In the same way that your instincts kick in and you just go into survival mode. If you are a parent and you go into mama bear mode because someone done mess with your kid, that just overtakes you. Prayer is meant to be instinctual for us because prayer was just Adam and Eve in the garden. And I just believe that over time is a thing that has become forgotten to us. This is going to sound silly, but I mean it. It's kind of like, it can kind of be like our appendix. A thing that was so essential to human survival at one point in time, but right now is kind of just chilling there. And it has become a different version of what it once looked like. I believe for Paul, prayer was this every day, never stop praying, devote yourself to prayer. Paul, all, pray all day, every day, be ready. How are you ready for any and everything? Through prayer. Because it was just a way of life. It was the essential ingredient to him. Do we have a church that believes and is catching that prayer needs to be our instinct? Prayer is my instinct. He says to be ready. To be ready. He says, you can be, he says to be alert in other translations. In this, he says, be ready for anything. And I don't know about you, church, but I'm tired of being caught off guard. I'm tired of being caught slipping and being unprepared, even though I've spent days and weeks trying to prepare myself in my own strength. I've spent hours, countless hours, countless sleepless nights, stress, blood pressure going up because I am trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And when the moment arrives, I find that I am unprepared. Paul was in prison. And you don't see him stressed about, stressed about being in prison. And you don't see him stressed about what he has to say. He says, hey, guys, by the way, can you pray that the Lord will give me clarity to deliver these words? Do we have a church that is ready for prayer to be their reflex? 
I needed to be more emphatic to that. I need today to be a day that we just draw a line in the sand and say, I'm done playing games. I'm done being caught off guard. Do you believe that prayer is meant to be your instinct? Are you ready? In the way that a child doesn't have to, before they can even speak, they know who mommy and daddy are, that we can be like children and know immediately that when I open my eyes, I'm running to daddy. When I'm in calamity, I'm running to daddy. When things are good, I'm running to daddy. Why? Because Colossians 4.2, never stop praying. I believe that from this day forth, we can hear testimonies. Hey, what's the secret to your marriage? Oh, I pray. What's the secret to your career? I, I pray. Why? What happened to your anxiety? I pray. What, what happened to, Ruben, how'd you get through that master's pro? I, I pray. Can I tell you, I, I kid you not that the Lord has been leading me through this in such a way that has been frustrating. <laughs> believe in the last months of my life, and it's all kind of dovetailed in this moment that the Lord has been leading me to trust him and him alone. And when I started school, I was so used to being good at school that I tried to enter the school world doing what I used to do and functioning. Oh, I know my system. And, and just every day would hear the Lord say, nope, that's not what you're going to do. You're going to pray. I'm like, but Lord, I got, I got classes to do. I, I can't have an assignment, go to dwell night, prepare a sermon. There's just no way. Pray. Be with me. What I've found is that we want, and this is my own life, the faith to walk on water. But the problem is that the way that you train that kind of faith up is to not be on land. And there's so many in my areas of my life that are land. But I want the Lord, I want the Lord, lead me, lead me, lead me when my trust is, until he starts leading me. <laughs> but I believe today is a day that we will train prayer to be our reflex. That this will be second nature. I, I want to hear, like I believe that we will hear testimonies. How did you pray? Oh, I just pray. I pray about every and anything. And I don't just pray for myself. I don't just pray for myself. What you hear all throughout the scripture is pray for others, others being prayed for. You got homie Epaphras struggling for other people. Like Epaphras, you don't got your own struggles? Ain't you in jail with Paul or something? Like praying for others. How, how, what happened to your marriage, Reuben? How did you, someone was praying for me. Not that we're just praying for ourselves, but that we're praying for others, amen? Come on, church, you guys are amazing. Um, I just feel like this is such fertile soil that this message is landing on. Um, I'm going to try to move a little faster, so stick with me. Colossians 4, <laughs> you guys are good. Colossians 4, we're going right back into Colossians 4, but we're going to continue because what's really peculiar is the subject matter of what Paul is praying, asking to be prayed about. In Colossians 4, 3, he says, pray that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. I am in prison for doing this, but pray that we can continue to tell people the secret truth that God has made known about Christ. Pray that I will say what is necessary to make the truth clear to everyone. Be wise in the way you act with those who are not believers. Use your time in the best way you can. When you talk, you should always be kind and wise. That's for my people from Brooklyn. Then you will be able to answer everyone in the way you should. It's clear here that Paul is talking about evangelizing people, two people. That he, this convicted me because I'm like, Lord, I don't think I've ever prayed. Like, I love Baptism Sunday. I love that we're about to have a back-to-school bash. I love that we are going to reach people. I think just me. Like, like I'm grateful for the, the amount of baptisms that we have in a year. I'm grateful for the Back to School Bash, our second biggest event, reaching the West Brighton community now. But I don't think I've ever prayed for the opportunity to share God's message.
What are some of the things that you guys find joy in? Let's, let's just hear. Like, just call it out. Chocolate? Chocolate lovers? Okay, easy. Okay. Pizza? Or foodies? We're all going to go straight to food. What about some activities? Anybody like going to the movies? What's the thing that gets you excited? Like, Jenny gets excited for deals on uh, Drew Barrymore's beauty products. <laughs> what are the things that you're like, ooh. Girl, I love Lisa. Lisa will always go, guess how much? Guess. Guess. Guess how much? Guess. Guess how much? Guess. There's a joy. Right? Nobody said they're spouses, so I'm gonna, I gave you guys a layup. And I don't know. Pastor Roe, you can still comment it. You can comment it now. It's clear through Paul's ministry that that feeling existed at not just someone's yes to Jesus, but the opportunity. And I read this and I'm just like, wow. Like, it's not that, I'm not saying I dislike evangelism, but I definitely have never thought, this has been the paradigm shift for me, that we are meant to find joy in evangelism. That the way... Guess how much? <laughs> I would love to see people doing that about people. Get Jonathan bringing Tom. Look, look, look at him. Isn't he beautiful? You know how long I've been inviting him to church? And we, we're like, yo, Tom, we missed you, bro. You were a blessing to our lives. That people will... I, I could use Amanda, right? I mean, guess, guess, look, look. Look at the opportunity that when we are outside of church, outside of events, that when we are in our community, that we will say, Lord, give me an opportunity. Like, I want to start looking for souls the way I look for buy one, get one. Which, to date, Emily is the only person who has successfully did a buy one, get two, because she got triplets, to come to church and then get baptized. <laughs> you did a tri triple set, triple souls, all for the kingdom of God. And it, and it makes sense when you think about it because, man, what greater news, what greater offer. Like, we have the deal. It's not them. We have the deal. Like, one yes equals a life transformation. One yes equals you, you never looking at things the same. One yes and everything changes. One yes and nothing is the same with just one Yes, we have the deal. So why should we not find joy? Not just, not just, because this is what transformed me. Like, I'm good. I get excited for baptism Sundays. I don't get excited when I'm in traffic. And the guy, while I'm on my way to Matrix Retreat, just casually sticks out his hand, as Pastor Rose says, and gives me the sign for year number one. <laughs> I'm like, man, what I wanted to do was speed up and give him, and I'm like, man, what if just that little, I know this is a little weird, but what if I saw that as, even that as an opportunity? Like, ooh, I mean, guess, guess how this happened that I led this guy to Jesus. Guess, you'll never believe. You'll never, he flipped me off, and then I turned that into a, like, could you imagine the stories if we saw and began to pray and began to pray for each other, like, hey, don't just pray for breakthrough in my life. Pray that I'll have an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus. Don't, yes, pray for healing in what I'm going through, but also pray that I'll have an opportunity to fulfill the commission that God has assigned to me. Pray that I'll have the opportunity to lead someone to the most amazing, precious thing they could ever experience and encounter. Guess, I, just, I just should have called this message, guess how much? We need to find joy in evangelism. The, the last thing um, that Paul convicts me in his letter, it's the one that you guys all pronounce so greatly. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want you to see, this is the longest part 
of this chapter. And I just, there's these, like, when you know little things about the Bible, so, like, Paul didn't write this by hand. As a matter of fact, at the end of the letter, he says, I'm writing this part by hand. So I just imagine being Paul's scribe. <laughs> Every time Paul was like, yo, I got to write a letter. Like, <sighs> he had arthritis before they knew what that was. <laughs> I feel like Tychicus was a misspelling. <laughs> and we are in the end of this letter. You know, it's the final countdown. And I could just see him like, yes, we're about to. And he's like, hey. Um, so my point has concluded, but by the way, Tychicus, uh, he's a faithful helper. He's going to go tell you everything that's happening to you, to me. And it's just to encourage you. Onesimus, he's also going to be there going with you. Uh, he's, he together with Tychicus, he's going to accompany him, um, to tell you what's happened here. Um, this guy, let's see what you guys got here. Say his name. We got to learn one way. Aristarchus, I think. The one here in prison with me. Come to find out Paul's not in prison alone. There's a guy with him. Sends you his greetings. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, also sends you his greetings. And so here's Mark. How many people do we have so far? Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus. Mark. The cousin of Barnabas. So Barnabas just gets shouted out for being his cousin. Um, next verse. Next slide. And greetings from Jesus. I, that sounds weird, but Jesus is a common name. The one who was also called Justice. So that's another dude. Um, these are the only Jewish believers. It's just, I just imagine. You hear like, Paul, you want to give everybody? Like everybody has to say hi. We can't just say, and my friends say hi. No, no, no. We're going to do 7 to 18. How many verses is that? About 9 or 11 verses. Just of people saying, giving greetings. So justice, they have uh, been a great comfort to me. Uh, then we have Epaphras again. This is the guy praying. Uh, I know that he has worked hard for you and the people in Laodicea. Uh, greetings also. Okay, okay, Paul. Also from Damas. And our dear friend Luke, the doctor. Whew. Oh, man, that was great. Okay, we're ready to sign this thing, Paul? No. Oh, no, by the way, can you give our greetings to the brothers and sister to sisters in Laodicea? Greetings also to Nympha and to the church that meets in her house. After this letter is read to you, by the way, you should also go and get the letter that was I wrote to the church in Laodicea. Uh, and you should, read, you should read their letter and they should read yours. Uh, and also, by the way, tell this guy, Archippus, who we've never heard of ever again. So I don't know if he followed his instructions. Be sure to do the work the Lord gave you. And then Paul goes, okay, I'll take it from here. <laughs> Here's my own handwriting. Remember me in prison. God's grace to be with you. I think you guys know where I'm going. I just think it's abundantly clear that for Paul, community wasn't a church program. That community wasn't a catchphrase. That doing life with others wasn't just this thing that, oh, I just don't have, I have to make time for people. No, Paul is in prison. There are people, there's someone in prison with him. I forget who, because there's so many names, but there's even a belief that one of the people who were in prison with him uh, because there's no record of it, was in prison voluntarily to be with Paul. I just realized that I've thought that I've been about community, but you read this last final greeting and you realize, man, I need to make more room for community in my life. For Paul, community wasn't an option. It wasn't a choice. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of inconvenience, in the midst of being locked down in prison, Paul takes the time to have his scribe write every individual name of who sends their greetings and to specifically send two people there to travel. Why are they going there? To talk about what's happened 
and to encourage them. And I, I think there's also emphasis in like, hey, I'm sending one of your own, like people, someone who's from where you guys are so you can relate. And it just becomes abundantly clear that we need to make room for community. Because community, like I said, community is not meant to be a habit. It's not meant to be a program. It is meant to be how we live our lives. And all of these things will go back to Genesis, right? It's not good for man to be alone. I want to read this part because I remember it being so important. Yeah. I think there are such little pebbles. Ugh, I'm going to use this story. I didn't even realize I would. Uh, the other the, the, A couple weeks ago, we were borrowing Amanda's mother's car, and we literally had to stop it, park it. It was here at the church for weeks. Um, and we even bought a new car because we didn't have a car, and we were borrowing that car. We're like, we just got to get a car. It sounds wrong with it. And then finally, we didn't take it to the mechanic where her mom asked us to drop it to the house. So finally, we're doing that. And Amanda realizes what happens as the resolution um, comes because this has happened to her before. What was causing this crazy sound, sounded like the car was falling apart, was that there was a pebble stuck in the brakes. And this little thing shut everything down for us. And the, the reality is it, it can be damaging. Thankfully, the pebble came out. I think when it comes to community, there's not these big things like, yeah, church hurt has happened, relational hurt has happened. But I think there's these little things like, sorry, introverts, I'm an introvert. <laughs> you don't have to be an extrovert to be relational. Um, we have isolating tendencies that keep us from community. Or I just, I just got so much going on. I have so much going on. I just, I just, I, I can't, I can't. I'm, I'm in a season where I feel that I'm like, you have a calendar link that I've used before. Everybody in my life is about to get a calendar link if they want to see me, like schedule me. <laughs> That's the temptation to do. Just I just have so much going on. I'm too busy. I can't. But I think today, in light of seeing Paul's life, in light of the Bible, really, um, understanding that community is an essential to our lives. It, community needs to be something we begin to make room for. Amen? I believe today is the day that we draw a line in isolation. We draw a line against isolation, against my introverted tendencies, against my schedule, against I'm just so forgetful, against my niece came up to me. I'm, I'm putting it, I'm putting you on the spot. She goes, Dio Ruben, why you don't love me? I'm like, what? She's like, why you don't love me enough to hang out with me? You know, she's playful. She's being playful, right? And I literally had to, I sat there, it turned into a whole therapy session. I'm like, let me tell you, my family of origin, it's hard to even think about reaching out. But in that conversation, it was like, yeah, I want to make time for my niece. I didn't know this was going to be an emotional moment because I want to be a part of her story and in her life. And especially after what God has released over her, I want to make time for my church family. I want us to be a part of what God is doing in each other's lives so we can write each other letters one day and say, hey, pray for me. Hey, like if Paul had iPhones, you ever have those friends, you ju they just put you in random group chats, you don't know why? Paul. Don't, don't look at me like that. He's just like, 32 people? Leaves the chat. <laughs> Paul would have been that guy. Because he believed everybody needed to be included in a greeting, in a final salutation. Hey, we're praying for you. Hey, this person greets you. Hey, this person loves you. Hey, make sure you link up with that community because they have something you need. And make sure you give them what you have because you have something they need. What if we were to be like that? I think today is a good day to draw the line in the sand, not just for community, but that we will begin to find joy in evangelism. That we will begin to make prayer our reflex and that community will be a thing that we make room for. Like just 
The way we talk about the Lord, because we're two or more gathered in his name, there he'll be, right? So when we say, come and blow, come on on through, when we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, that means we ought to be saying, relationships, you are welcome here. Friendships, you are welcome here. Family, you are welcome here. I just want to land here, and I appreciate you guys for giving me time. This message has an amazing, um, there's, the amazing thing about this message is it has, it is directly tied to immediate application. So how do we begin to make prayer our reflex? Well, as a church, one, everything here is going to be do it daily, pray daily, make time for the Lord daily. You talk to yourself enough, you could talk sometimes to God, right? <laughs> um, but also we have dwell nights every month. Once a month, on the last Thursday of every month, we come together as a church to pray. I think, I think we can make time for that, to begin to train this as a reflex. Um, how do we make evangelism? Well, how do we find joy in evangelism? How do we begin to practice this? Well, I know from so many praises that this will get some shouts. We have a back-to-school bash this Saturday. So when you sign up to serve for this, you're not just signing up to give backpacks away. Those backpacks create an opportunity. And what Amanda said was so true. This is an unprecedented opportunity because as many back-to-school bashes as we have... As many back-to-school bashes as, as we've done and had they've always been in partnership with the doe because we were out of school and so we couldn't put jesus in anything we had to like sneak him in and put him in bags and but now we are having it at our church and so we can under we can put uncensored in christ uncensored and we can be fully explicit with the gospel we're not just giving backpacks away we are giving life transformation away and so your participation in that is participating in the opportunity to spread the gospel and we also i just ask that we can also outside of the big ones there's these little ones that we commit to these outreaches that happen regularly you'll hear about them and you'll feel the i don't have time but what if we saw it as an opportunity as an opportunity to make time for and lastly, community. How do we, how do we uh, make community practical? How do we take hold of this message? Well, community groups are launching again, the last season of the year in September. You can sign up to host a group. You can sign up to join a group. And if you can't wait for community group, there are people here that you can say, hey, you wanna grab a bite to eat after this? Hey, what are you, what are you let's make time to have coffee. There are people here if you can't wait, but I also encourage you to sign up and this is what I'm most excited to tell you. Be consistent, keyword emphasis, consistent in your Sunday attendance. And you're here, so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But man, I, I feel like Sundays are a thing that I don't feel like, it's a thing that I feel like I need to be here for. Because there's such community here. There's such power here. And if we begin to treat Sundays like another activity in our schedule, we begin to miss out on the beauty of what God is doing. If I treat Sunday like going to the ballpark because there's this event or going to a concert, I'm missing on the moment of what God is doing here. I don't think Sundays were optional for Paul because he was going to jail for it and still finding ways to gather in prison. And all across the world, there are places where the gospel is still banned and outlawed and you are at risk of persecution. So man, why should we not take hold of the freedom that we have to gather? Uh, my Sunday will never be rained out. My Sunday will never be too busy for, because there is community, there is life change happening here. Woo! And why it all matters, why it is all essential is because it connects us to Jesus. Connects us to Jesus. When we are in community, we are in the presence of Jesus. When we are prayer, we are communing with our Abba Father. And we are evangelizing, we are leading people to the life changer, the way maker, the miracle worker. I feel like I'm setting you guys up for that song, but don't feel pressured. Jesus, at the end of the day, is who is going to get the glory and who is going to transform 
lives. And I want to close with this last verse. And I want to charge you guys with it. I know that this was for Archippus. Archippus. But I, I believe Kuhau can take hold of this too. It was in the Bible, so that means it applies to me. That Kuhau will be a church that embodies this verse. Be sure to do the good work the Lord gave you. Be sure to do the good work that the Lord gave you. I, I want to say this a couple times as you stand. Can we say it together? Be sure to do the good work the Lord gave you. Be sure to do the work the Lord gave you. Christ Uncensored, there is a work that each and every one of us have been given. Can I ask you to be sure that you do it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just your sovereignty, for who you are, Lord. And I just ask that from this day forward, Lord, that this may be a line in the sand, that we may not leave this as a good, as a good message or, or that part was good, but know that this may be something that, as, as it has been for me, a paradigm shift, Lord, that we will not go back to thinking about prayer the way we may have thought about it, that we will not fall into thinking of it in any other way than in, in the way that we breathe. Prayer is essential to our lives as believers, uh, that we will find joy and celebration and the way that we praise breakthrough that we will praise the opportunity to lead people into your love that that we will make room and no longer crowd uh, and put obligations and things in the way that we must realize no i have to be in community i need to be in the room where people are together finding freedom that we will embody this message and i pray for anyone here who has never heard of you before but has heard about the life transformation in this message who wants their place their faith i pray that in this moment you will minister to them and that you will come into their life that as they hear me you will move into their life and they will say yes to you and if that's you and you're here and you're just like i want jesus and you're online and you're like i want jesus all you have to do is say yes lord i accept you in jesus name we pray amen and amen. Can we get ready to worship?